0: your values are really shown in in difficult times when in times of crisis as you say that's when your values are really indicated and uh, and you're right and and the companies that are able to kind of push through the tough times and hold true to their values and purpose uh, i think you know they really affirm the power
1: welcome to create new futures thought-provoking conversations with leaders experts and interesting minds join us as we explore ideas and reflect on practices that you can use and apply to create and shape the future. With your host, author and strategy consultant, Aviv Shahar. Welcome to Create New Futures, where we develop conversations with successful leaders to explore how you can create your new future for you and for your organization. This is a event. today I'm speaking with Matt Karcheri. Matt is one of the world's foremost purposeologists, having worked on purpose with more than 100 companies and brands. He began his career as a marketing executive at Procter & Gamble, where for 15 years he pioneered purpose-driven brand building inside the world's largest advertiser. As an in-house expert on the topic Matt spearheaded purpose work on most of P&G's billion-dollar brands. Today, he is an independent consultant and associate of the Jim Stengel Group, a think-tank and consulting practice founded by the former chief marketing officer of P&G. In those roles... Matt has helped to define and activate purpose for companies across a variety of industries from financial services and insurance to healthcare and hospitality. I have initially interacted with Matt when I was called to help the brand building innovation team at p I found Matt to be a unique combination of an artist, a cheerful philosopher, and a brand purpose doctor. I'm interested to explore today his new book, Bleed a Creed, How to Create and Activate a Powerful Brand Purpose. Matt, it's great to have you here. Welcome.
0: Thank you, Aviv. It's fantastic to be reconnected with you.
1: What have I missed in your introduction?
0: I think you did awfully well, actually, uh, Aviv. I think the only thing I could add to that picture is I'm originally from uh, the East Coast, uh, from the great little state of, uh, of Rhode Island, and I'm probably based in Cincinnati.
1: So, as you said, you and I have not been in touch for many years, and I'm excited that uh, your new book uh, brings us together. Before we get there, because I'm really interested that we explore the book, let me first ask you, what energizes you? What excites you these days? What are you working on?
0: Let me... Uh offered up two things. First of all, on the personal front, I'm very excited that I'm sending off my twin boys to college here in two weeks. Um, And that's just an always an exciting time for uh, for any parent. And, you know, I, I think particularly right now, I'm feeling excited for the possibilities uh, ahead of them. I have a, I have a third son who's entering his uh, junior year in college. So it's just, you know, I have such love for education and um, it's kind of part of why I wrote the book, I guess, in many ways, I've always loved teaching and education My parents, both their teachers uh, by training. And I just love that they're about to see the opportunities and possibilities in education so that on the personal front is really energizing me. Um, on the professional front, I'm having the opportunity, you know, through my work with the Jim Stengel Group to work, continue to work with companies to help them discover their sense of purpose and bring that to life in their organization. And, you know, I just, uh, I've been doing that for many years now. It doesn't get old for me. It's just so much fun to see the brightness in people's eyes when they find a renewed connection to the meaning in their work and in the future possibilities of what the organization can be. So uh, that's a tremendous joy that never never stops uh, energizing me.
1: That's awesome. So, Matt, what has life been like post-PNG when you moved into consulting?
0: Yeah, Aviv, you know, I'll say after 15 years in corporate life, what I really came to appreciate is the value of kind of controlling my own time that really kind of um, was really empowering to me and I felt so much more productive and so much more possibility to kind of be able to create my own agenda each day and week to week and month to month so that's probably been the biggest change I would say probably you've experienced that too Aviv.
1: Indeed indeed and and what do you enjoy most about the the consulting work?
0: You know, there's a couple things. One is I love the diversity of the experience. Um, you know, I learned something new from being part of every new organization. And um, it, it's, it's really energizing, again, to your opening question. What energizes me is experiencing new companies, new cultures, new ways of thinking, new ways of approaching businesses. And, you know, I learned a little bit from each one of those engagements.
1: That's great. So let's talk about your book. Why did you choose to call it Bleed a Creed?
0: yeah great question well one it's uh, it's sticky, I think I think uh, most times people remember the title which is a, which is a, a good criteria for a good title, I think, um, but most significantly it's because of what i 'm trying to convey so i've been part of the um, the journey of purpose for probably fifteen years now, Aviv, and i'm a little concerned about what i 'm seeing as kind of the current state of purpose, which is it's kind of become almost a uh, table stakes term. I think most companies have, you know, or believe they have a sense of purpose. Everyone seems to have a purpose statement, but it's very much feels like a slogan. It's a set of words, some higher order kind of fluffy language. Um, And that's really not when purpose works. It doesn't, in fact, I'll say it doesn't work when it just kind of exists as a slogan above the organization, kind of floating up above, where. Um, where purpose really takes hold is when it's part of a real belief system, a system yeah. of values, a real point of view, a worldview, uh, you know, the, where there's a real vision for how the world should be, you know, mm-hmm. the strongest, uh, the strongest purpose-driven companies, you know, the, the, the likes of Airbnb and, and, uh, and Patagonia, for example, there's a real conviction about how the world should be and a, and a real, a real desire to live out a belief system. So that's embedded in my word, creed. I intend creed to say purpose should be more than just that slogan. It should be about a belief system and your values. And then that's the last part. The first part of the title, bleed, is my way of trying to say, and it's got to be more than just lip service. It has to be something that's lived both inside and out.
1: Yeah, that's powerful. And, and let's, um, let's open and explore more of, of the content of this. But can you first try to give a brief summary of the place of purpose in business and how that evolved actually over the last 100 years because you just gave, gave us a snapshot of part of the predicament or, or the pathology of using purpose just because it's nice to have as a slogan. Give us a bit of the, the story, the 100 years journey of when purpose emerged first in relation to business and, and how it has evolved.
0: Well, first off, Aviva, I love your question because uh, I think that's one thing that we've forgotten. Sometimes it feels like purpose is just an idea of the moment. But the reality is great leaders have kind of brought to their companies a great sense of purpose for 100 years, as you say. So, you know, Walt Disney, um, you know, founded his company with the intent to bring happiness to millions. And Hewlett Packard had a great sense of purpose about why they were creating their company and on and on and on. Great leaders of great companies have always kind of had this idea that there should be an inspirational reason beyond making money for the organization to exist and that coming together collectively to serve people and, and, and their needs really fundamentally then drives business and profits. So so purpose leads, profits follow. That's, a, that's been a longstanding philosophy. In my estimation, and I don't, I don't know if anybody's actually written the, the history of purpose this way, but in my estimation, that was a prevailing kind of point of view um, call it through the beginning of the 20th century. And maybe it was the kind of uh, you know, Wall Street greed of the 80s and 90s where that kind of got lost and forgotten and kind of the profit motive really kind of took over. So it may have been forgotten for some time, but then I think probably about the turn of this millennial millennium in my estimation, we started seeing companies come back. Companies like Nike, companies like Apple had a really strong sense of what they were trying to do for the world. That began to inspire more and more brands and i think the current experience we have right now which is kind of mainstream brands and companies really embracing the idea again
1: right and i imagine one of the ways to to measure and test purpose is actually through difficult times not just through times of of uh when a company thrives and 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 grows rapidly
0: one wonderfully said aviv i couldn't i couldn't agree with you more and i often like to say that um I, I think there's a common expression, I don't know if it's a quote, uh, but I really believe that you know, there's this idea that your values are really shown in, in difficult times, when in times of crisis, as you say. That's when your values are really indicated. And, uh, and you're right. And, and the companies that are able to kind of push through the tough times and hold true to their values and purpose, uh, I think you know, they really affirm the power.
1: So you offer that purpose uh, ought to lead and, and profits will follow. Um, what is the research? Saying and what what did the research find about the comparative business results of purpose led companies?
0: Yeah, you know that's that's part of the reason actually, Aviv that that purpose is so hot at the moment uh, is that there is quite a bit of data now to um, to suggest uh, the link between purpose and performance. Um, one of the most powerful studies um, that kind of is almost unassailable is a major academic study I think was published out of Columbia, but there were several Columbia University, but there were several. Academics involved in the study, and they were able to find uh, a true statistical correlation between a strong sense of purpose and clarity with, across the organization for that purpose. That was an important kind of asterisk that everyone in the organization had to be very clear in understanding that purpose. There was a very strong correlation between that and statistically higher stock market stock market performance. So, so that's one study. There was another one recently called Insights 2020. Um, that was put together by a consortium of organizations that looked at companies that overperform on revenue growth and those that underperform and they found that i think the number was eighty three percent of the companies that overperform on revenue um, are actually purpose driven so um, so it 's quite a quite a bit of uh, data now to kind of validate the case for purpose
1: do you make distinction a distinction between purpose driven and purpose inspired huh
0: interesting question um I don't know that I have to date, but okay. I, but, but, but no, but I'm going to answer that and say, you know, I, I, I do think that's probably um, a little bit implied in some of the data I just cited that that truly purpose driven means you're making real choices about how you organize, how you develop your offerings, how you go to market. So I think I much do much prefer the term purpose driven. And I think in going back to the beginning of our conversation, I think there's been a, a move by some organizations to just want to be purpose-inspired, put the slogan up there so we have something inspirational to look at on the wall. But, um, but I think the, um, the case is pretty strong now that purpose-inspired is not sufficient. Um, we've got to be purpose-driven.
1: So With purpose, the, the right thing to now do, and, and uh, as you said, everybody thinking that they should have a nice purpose uh, as a slogan, How do we know if purpose is merely an empty set of fancy words versus a truly embodied North Star that um, people operate by and and directionally move and and are driven towards?
0: Yeah. So I think the first thing I'd say is when I do work with companies to help them find their purpose, um, one of the most important steps we take is to kind of look at the origin of the company, the authentic values and culture, so one one measure is is that purpose truly authentic to the the core DNA of the enterprise? If it's not, I'm going to say right away that's a check. Uh, we are we're not we're we're not going to be making progress in terms of delivering the purpose if it's not if this if the content of that purpose is not authentic to the founding and the and the origins and the DNA of the enterprise. That's that's one thing. Second thing is I'd I'd want to be seeing first and foremost um, that it's really. Um, embedded in how employees are hired you know, what what they're hired for, um, what they're rewarded for, how their work, everyday work experience is is the, is the purpose part of the work experience. fundamentally Aviv that's that's the whole game if if the, if the organization if each individual employee is kind of living with purpose, then the organization's living with purpose if that makes sense.
1: Yes, it is interesting that you choose to bring into it authenticity. In, in the coaching work I do with CEOs and, and senior executives, I often discuss what I call authenticity one and authenticity two. Authenticity one is when you're able as a, as a person, as a whole human being to, to bring forward the, the voice of how you feel in the moment and be true to, to the experience you're having. Mm. But authenticity, too, is where you choose to give precedence and and, and allow um, and follow more, not the voice of how you feel, but the voice of your potential, of where you can be tomorrow, next week, next month, and, and let that directive guide and lead you. And I, I think when you're talking about organizational authenticity… It really is. You're talking about building the ark from indeed the roots and where you come from and where you are today, but ultimately about realizing your future potential.
0: Aviv, I've always loved working with you. I love the way you think. Um, maybe I'm being the cheerful philosopher right now, but I think that's a perfect, perfect metaphor. Your your vision, your your metaphor of the arc is exactly right. You know, is it is it grounded in that authentic place? Is it going toward that authentic potential um, that really resonates with me?
1: So, one of the examples you give in the book, and by the way, everybody listening to, to this conversation, the best thing you can do is just uh, pick a copy of the book and, and read uh, through uh, all those exciting ideas. But one of the things, one of the examples you give there is LEGO's purpose. And you say LEGO's purpose is to inspire and develop the builders of tomorrow. So, that's great. the, that's the a great Legos.
0: statement, right? <laughs> What's that? A great statement right it is a
1: great statement uh, so so that's Lego's reason for being that directs all aspects of the company's endeavor and i don't know if you uh, were involved with them or, or, or not so the question is we're just using them as a for instance as an example how do they make sure in that case that indeed they they uh, align and measure uh, that all strategies are absolutely aligned to this overarching, unifying purpose? How, do, mm-hmm. how, how, how is an organization to go about that exercise?
0: Yeah, so um, unfortunately, I have not had the good fortune yet to work with uh, Lego, although I'd love that opportunity someday. What I have seen, actually, in, in public, uh, public forums is that Lego actually has, I believe they may call it their Lego brick or something, but it's basically their strategic plan or their brand plan and, and their strategic business plan. And I have seen that they do kind of put that statement of purpose right at the top and make sure all the choices that fall below are, are laddering to that and, and, and deriving from that. And that is definitely um, definitely best practice that I've seen. And the companies that really, truly are purpose-driven, um, the breakthrough is you know when, when management actually builds its uh, strategic choices around that and from that. And, and we can see clear connections to, to it and from it, if that makes sense.
1: Yes. Yes, indeed. So you talk in your um, book uh, a little later about the five opportunities of purpose. Mm -hmm. And you frame that purpose is a transformational force for business because it offers the potential for breakthroughs in those five areas, which are employee engagement, Mm -hmm. innovation generation, Mm -hmm. societal contribution, brand relevance, and consumer attention. So let's take them one at a time and, and see if you can offer just a brief comment about, if we can use this term, the purpose currency in each of these. How is the purpose of an organization, an opportunity for employee engagement?
0: So the great Daniel Pink wrote a terrific book called Drive. If uh, anyone, any of your listeners have not read that yet, I highly recommend it. And he basically diagnoses that, um, um, using you know referencing great science, that what any of us as employees um, and workers, how we find our motivation, we have to have meaning in our work. Uh, we have to have meaning in our work this is the there's the great story that I re- recount again in my book. People have maybe heard it before um of the cathedral being built, and the the great the great architect walking around each of the workers, and you know the first worker is just pretty uninspired by what he's doing He's just chipping a boulder, chipping a rock to go into place for the cathedral. Uh, the next one's a little more inspired. He knows he's helping to build a wall, and the third worker, just with great exuberance, says, "I'm building a cathedral," and he has the most sense of meaning, of course, in his work. So, so um, you know, more more so than ever before, really, millennials, Gen Z, uh, they need that sense of meaning in their work. That they they have to know that they're contributing to more than just the you know a, a stronger bottom line and lining the pockets of shareholders. They have to know that they're contributing uh, to something meaningful. So. So that's really where the connection is between purpose and employee engagement.
1: It is an interesting story you're referencing there because, of course, the cathedral builder knew very well that only two or three or four generations down the line, his grandchildren will actually enjoy walking into the cathedral because it, it was a 100 or 200 or 300 year project. When you right. talk about a generation, the, the generations of uh, people now coming into the workforce, they are not prepared, not just not to wait um, four, 400 years, they're not prepared to wait 400 seconds. <laughs> exactly so they, they, they want to experience meaning right here, right now, in this very second, in this conversation. So, 100%. <laughs> juxtaposition. The, the second space that you identify as purpose-opportunity is innovation generation. What, what do we know? What have you observed how, how is purpose impacting innovation?
0: Yeah, and let me, let me talk about it from, uh, from maybe an example, and I'll use the example of uh, the great Barbie brand, which is actually is having a great resurgence of late uh, kind of um, by re-embracing its sense of purpose, which is all around inspiring and nurturing the possibilities of girls. And um, I'll use that example to say I have found that typically the path to innovation is pretty standard for most companies. That they're looking at kind of foundational technologies, they're looking at a market need assessment, they're looking at um, what competition is doing, and that's where they're getting their inspiration and they're getting their agenda for innovation. Where I think real distinctive innovation can come from is in the example, using the example of Barbie, is from the purpose itself. So, so one example of innovation from Barbie um, is that um, given that purpose of nurturing girls' possibilities, they... Every year now at, on International Women's Day, they launch um, new um, SKUs within their, uh, what they call their sheroes line, sheroes, meaning uh, women who are very heroic of our current times. And they create these likenesses of women that they want to celebrate for, for all their, they've become in their lives um, as an inspiration for young girls. So that's an example for me of like that, that place of innovation wouldn't have ever come from kind of looking at the market from looking at what your competition is doing. It came truly from their own sense of what do we want to do for the world uniquely. And so that's where I get and where I've seen great, um, great innovation work coming from purpose, if that makes
1: sense. So, so this is an example that uh, truly instantiates the idea that purpose uh, represents a, a deep conviction. And when that leads the, the ideation exercise, then you're likely to come up with, with ideas that you won't find by, uh, doing your your uh, landscape assessment of what the competition is doing.
0: Perfectly said. Yes, that's it.
1: The next uh, space is societal contribution. How would you comment the, the relationship of purpose there? Because I think one of the uh, hints you were offering earlier concerned this idea that we are talking about purpose as something bigger in terms of uh, the impact on the company than merely social um, responsibility, but still you're saying societal contribution. So give us the, the bridge there to purpose.
0: Yeah. So, you know, one, one issue you're alluding to there, um, Aviv, that I've c- very clearly found is um, there's a kind of a, a conflation of language between purpose and cause and I'm seeing a lot of companies saying, "Hey, we we donate money to this great cause every year. We have purpose." That's not that's not what purpose is really about. As we talked about before, like in the example of Lego or in the example of Barbie, it's a higher order business idea. Purpose is a business idea, but those kinds of cause contributions then should be um, directly inspired by and are inspired by 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 the larger business purpose, and so that's the relationship there and of course you know I'm just going to the reason I've included that section of my book is yes it's an absolute mandate these days it's, it's a mandate for employees and for customers and other stakeholders of any enterprise that a uh, that an organization is demonstrating social responsibility but my point of view where i've seen it the strongest um, is that the the cause work the social contribution work comes from that larger business purpose. It's not just kind of off to the side, left, you know, off the left field, disconnected. It's, it's integral. So that's, that's, that's what I'm trying to drive at there.
1: The fourth opportunity you identified is brand relevance. How do you mean brand relevance? What is brand relevance? And what's the place of purpose in it?
0: Yeah. So so the big thing, I, the way I came to purpose was through marketing. My background is at P&G, is we, as, as you introduced me. And I'm a, I'm a brand builder at my core. And the big revelation I've had over the last couple decades is that the most effective brands are built on the platform of shared values. That it's not about you know kind of you know being bombarded with a with a rational product message. Although you know those those benefits are of course critical and there's a role for those. Really, where relationships get get built with brands is on the basis of shared values so that 's why I feel it's very important for any kind of uh, brand or organization to make sure pornography and its imagery and the way it presents itself through its campaigns that it's indicating its values so that someone with like minded values can then buy into versus just buy that brand.
1: What would be an example that would instantiate that
0: so let me think of a, let me think of a good one so um, I think a, a great one for me is, is Airbnb. Airbnb's purpose is to create a world where everyone can belong anywhere. There's a real commitment to uh, and a real value for the diversity of the human population. And they want people, of course, to kind of feel like they can go out and travel and be part of any community around our great planet. So an example of that is um, that their, uh, their, their campaign line is Belong Anywhere. And their iconography is, is, is designed to be a symbol of belonging, that you can belong anywhere. And they've done really terrific um, done marketing work through the years. Uh, for example, I think it was two Super Bowls ago, they ran a, they ran a, a bit of a politically charged campaign ad that said, we accept. We, it was kind of in, in, in reaction to some of what uh, Donald Trump was doing at the time, um, but basically making its point of view and putting its point of view out there that we accept all kinds of people, uh, no matter gender, culture. A cultural background, whatever. So, so that's, that's kind of the, the, the type of activities I'm talking about here, that putting out their kind of their value system, that we, we value all types of people, um, enables then customers who share those values to kind of become attached to that brand.
1: Would Airbnb also be a good example for the process of purpose discovery and purpose development? Because I imagine when the business company started, they didn't have that frame purpose and, and higher uh, business idea. It was more um, a simple idea that then evolved over time. And I imagine the articulation of the purpose came over time. I, I don't know if that, that to be factually true, but I, I imagine that's the case. First of all, is that correct? And, and do you find that companies needed to go through a journey to discover the, the higher order business idea that then becomes their purpose?
0: Absolutely, Aviv. and I—I I have not worked directly with Airbnb, but I have read the story and uh, and your assessment of how they came to their sense of purpose is is, is accurate, and it is. I think um, I, I think it is the same story for most kind of startup businesses. Startups, you know, uh, I, I've I've uh, I've tried to kind of break into the consulting business with startups, but startups are so consumed with kind of. The, the the activities needed in the moment to get the business up off the ground that it's hard to take that moment to sit back and reflect on our philosophy and what really drives us and what's our bigger sense of purpose here they're just trying to get the job done so um you, i think you're exactly right that that it's a life cycle thing eventually as the as the brand and company gets larger they do take there is that moment when they take they have that moment to pause and reflect and like what are we doing here why why do we exist and and the way that um, uh, the purpose kind of becomes clear is when you kind of look at a union of two circles. They take two circles and put the union. One is, what, what have we always cared about from the beginning is one kind of circle. The other is, what does the world need right now um, and in, in, a, in a big way? So using the, the example of Airbnb, I know for a fact that, that that brand was kind of born because a couple of guys needed some space to rent in San Francisco and they ended up crashing together in somebody's home and literally had air mattresses on the floor. And so that sense of belonging anywhere was there at the, found, at the founding and then they kind of reconnected to that and what was kind of the higher meaning of that origin point. But they did take a broader look with a global piece of global research that kind of looked at what are people longing for in the world right now? And we are all as human beings, of course, even more so at this time, really have this higher need for belonging. And so that, those two things came together in that purpose statement from what I recall from reading.
1: So it's the convergence of, of two spheres, the inside out. That's the what do we care about deeply and the, the needs of the world around us. That's the outside in, the convergence of those two spaces. I imagine sometime with a third sphere, which uh, highlights our core competencies and, and capabilities and, and where can we truly uh, make a difference alongside what we care about and and what the needs what needs in the world can we meet so somewhere i imagine that's part of the architecture of discovery that you're leading uh, with teams where you lead this purpose discovery
0: wonderfully said
1: your fifth opportunity area for purpose is consumer attention how is that different to brand relevance and what's the place of purpose there
0: yeah. So, uh, so here, this is more about kind of social media. Let's talk about a social media engagement. And when you think about you know yourself and for any of, your, any of your listeners, as you think about the kinds of things you engage in in a social media environment, it's typically not any kind of sales messages to you. Um, where people tend to get excited and engaged is when there's actual real issues that are meaningful in our lives and our society. And so increasingly, as you know, we see brands stepping into that space where they really are willing to kind of confront what's going on in the political world at the moment um, or what's going on culturally in society where they see an issue. And that's a real opportunity to engage, uh, to engage consumers. You know, I like to say that it's very hard to get the kind of um, mind share you need as a brand anymore just by putting advertising um, on TV or online. Um, the marketplace is so fragmented that it's almost a mandate for brands to be part of the cultural conversation. And so that's what I'm implying there, that really you have to kind of lean in with your purpose and your point of view to actually take a stand on what's going on in culture um, such that people are uh, engaged in, in, in your brand that way.
1: And the brand always begins on the inside, correct, with with the people that work in that organization and, and are part of that endeavor and do they believe in it for real?
0: Hundred percent. You know, the, C, the CEO of uh, of Zappos has this great expression that you know the, the culture and brand are just two sides of the same coin, and that is certainly my conviction as well. That really, the brand is whatever it is inside, um, and how that becomes then manifest through the employees and um, into the world.
1: So, w- what else have you discovered over and above what you already offered that's critical in terms of strategies? organizational strategies to make uh, purpose believable because, as we said earlier, the the risk, the danger is that purpose becomes just an, an empty set of fancy words. But we're trying, and you're talking about something much bigger, and you already indicated a lot. It, it is about people believing in it on the inside. It is about the, the roots of that organization and company. Um, what else, what other strategies have you found that that uh, you you observe that are critical for an organization to bring a purpose to life.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd say there's just one pivotal, pivotal linchpin in the in the whole thing, and uh, not surprisingly, it's uh, it's about the role of the leader, um, the role of the CEO, in a, in a company. You know, it's it's not cliche to say that culture starts at the top. And that everyone in the organization is is kind of looking to the leadership to decide, you know, what what really matters. Right. And, um, where purpose where purpose works, it's because it's it truly is the leader's agenda. That the leader feels it personally. The leader has that sense of conviction, has those values as an individual, and uh, and you know, people again back to your point on authenticity, Aviv. Um, you know, people know if if this is authentic or not for who the leader is and what they really want for the world. Um, so that's 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 it. It really kind of comes down to is this is this the leader's agenda or not?
1: Right, right. You are showing in your book the the journey of developing the creed, and one of the points you make is that indeed it is more than purpose and you are you're explaining in a beautiful way the the place of strongly held convictions and uh beliefs what what are some of the tools what are some of the inquiry processes that you lead to help people discover these because one of the challenges again is it's very easy to to grab ideas from the internet or from from others but you are really talking about leading people into a discovery of their Mm -hmm. deeply held convictions and beliefs. How do you go about that journey?
0: So first and foremost, uh, this was taught to me by a great mentor of mine who's also uh, a a purposeologist, um, a guy named Joey Ryman, um, who is kind of one of the pioneers in this space. He has a great expression that the fruits are in the roots. And by that, of course, he means you need to kind of go to that origin point And and Aviv, I think this is something on the life level that I just have so much passion for too. I I recently kind of delved into my family's genealogy and I just find it at personal level, businesses at all levels. It's amazing how that Genesis moment, how much is kind of there and that big bang moment of the Genesis. And I'm working with a, a great, one of the top Fortune 500 companies right now where they've kind of forgotten what was there at that Genesis moment. Every time, Aviv, I'm giving away my consulting secrets you go to that genesis moment, and you find you find it. It's there. That that that's the most critical part of this journey um, is is starting to, from that. Really, kind of getting into the mind of the founder, the founding moment, what was going on there. Um, because even in companies that are hundred years old, that genesis is a, that that created this kind of wavelength that seems to kind of continue to go on and on and on. It's really kind of remarkable to me, and I found it. Again, having worked with over 100 companies and brands, it, it's just real. It, it's, it continues on. So, so that's, the first, that's the first step. And then the other thing that I really like to interrogate within any organization, it's a, it's a funny thing, but I like to ask, I like to start from the place of hates. What, what are you against? What, 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 what is an attitude that just doesn't work here? What's a behavior that people just reject? Because it's in those hates and what you're against that you start to really get clarity on what you're for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that that's a critical part of the process.
1: And I imagine when you explore and interrogate the genesis moment, then the art and, and your consulting artistry in part is facilitating, again, the arc from that to the interpretation of that currency into the needs of today.
0: Absolutely. Yes, that, that's 100% right. So, so back to that kind of convergence of two circles, um, you know, the first interrogation is that, as, as we talked about with the Airbnb example. The first interrogation is that origin moment, that genesis. What's real and authentic in the DNA um, of of the organization? And then there is that whole second bubble of activity in terms of looking into the world. What 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 are the needs? And that, in many ways, going back to Aviv, your your metaphor of the arc, it's kind of that's that's the journey. It's kind of straddling those two circles uh, we're talking about it as a convergence. But that's the that's the journey. What's where does it start? Where are we trying to go?
1: Mm. So you just mentioned your family there Matt. Let's trace uh, your early formative stages of life and and specifically what inspired you when you were growing up.
0: Yeah, um Aviva I'm I'm, I'm pausing because I've actually had a fairly emotional moment this uh, this week related to this um uh, because uh, my I unfortunately lost my mother last year and my son has been helping my father do some cleanup around the house. And he had found uh, some notes that I'd never seen before in my 50 years of life that my mother had written um, during my first weeks of life. And it wasn't extensive, but she said one thing um, that really just uh, struck me profoundly because it's taken me 50 years to identify in myself that she had seen in my early weeks of life. She said, uh, underlined, Matt is, quote, all eyes, um, all eyes. Mm-hmm. And um what I've observed about myself over time um is I've always loved observ observing things. Um and I I the, the house where I lived in coastal Rhode Island, there was a big tall pine tree where I loved to climb up every day to the very top and look out as far as I can see um out into the sea. And I I believe it was in those formative moments, you know, because I really do believe in this conviction—that's all in the Genesis moments. But I do believe there's something that happened back then in my brain that really got me inspired to kind of observe, to find, to see the bigger picture, to 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 try and see farther. And um, and that's, you know, I think that was probably among the most formative experiences of my life.
1: Wow, you're an observer. You're a watcher. You are a discoverer of the long view.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like to say, you know, the way I've kind of internalized it and hey, we're getting pretty personal here. I don't think I've even told my wife all this, um, but I, I like to believe that I do have a bit of gift of sight that I think my, that my superpower is, is kind of sight, the ability to kind of see where things are going, see the long term. And I've always, you know, for me and professionally, that's manifested itself in my love for strategy. And of course, the work I'm doing now on purpose.
1: Who are some of the heroes that uh, shaped your journey, Matt?
0: Well, you know, it, 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 the death of a parent definitely has you re- reflect on on uh, on your parents, and and uh, and there's there's no doubt that my you know I think for many of us, my my parents are true true heroes in my life. Um, uh, they were great great teachers as parents, and um, they are very values driven people, and that really kind of obviously they instilled that in me. So. My, my, my parents, my hero, I'm still very, very close to my dad, talk to him every other day, and he's, uh, he's, he's a true, true hero and an inspiration to me. So I'll start there. Um, and then, you know, as I got into my professional life,
1: I was let, just let, super... Let's just, let's just stay for a moment with, with your father. Yeah. Uh, say just a little more about him. Um, he was a governor of the state, correct?
0: That's correct, yes. Two-term governor of the state of Rhode Island.
1: What do you remember? How old were you at the time, and what do you remember from that part of uh, his journey?
0: I was uh, I was an adult, um, so uh, with with children, so it's a relatively recent thing. Um, it was the end of his career, so he had a very uh, he, had, he had a very distinguished career in business, um, never touching the world of politics. And uh, kind of post re- after retiring from business, kind of decided he wanted to do more for his state. Rhode Island was a small state. Um, where he felt deep connection and wanted to be able to, you know, bring his skill and his abilities uh, to, to bear to, to help the people of that great state. So, uh, so it was that was a late in life uh, journey for him to kind of get into politics.
1: Mm. Any any important uh, life centering lesson for you observing him making that transition late in life and deciding to give back and, and contribute uh, from his experience.
0: Um. Well, well. first, this isn't maybe directly going to answer uh, what you're getting at, but uh, I, I did learn that politics does indeed suck. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, uh, You know, unfortunately, a guy who was going into it with all the best intentions and, and, a, and, a, and a truly honorable and great man. I could say that not because he's my father, but I think most people would agree. He's a truly, truly one of the world's greats um, in terms of his character and, you know, to be... Taken down and uh, and 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 belittled and demeaned um, pretty consistently it was a, was a tough thing to watch as a son. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, you know, I, you know, I, I think of course, you know, I think his his drive to want to contribute to the to the betterment of of others, um, and that really was his, you know, authentic drive to 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 go after that um, opportunity. Um, you know, that certainly has inspired me, and of course, that's somehow. Has, has driven me to my journey of purpose.
1: You were going to mention some other heroes later in in your as you develop your professional career, I imagine.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, as you know, Aviv, we we touch each other. Um, we 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 worked together when I was at P and G, uh, and you know, P and G. I continue to want to celebrate. Take this opportunity to kind of celebrate again. What an amazing institution that is. And it gets back to the earlier conversation we were having on education. For me, um, P&G is a learning organization. It's committed to, it's committed to teaching. It's, uh, it's committed to improving its employees uh, through education. And, um, and as part of that, I was just really blessed to have leaders who were equal parts thinking about the growth of the business and growth and, 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 and my growth. And so they gave me opportunities early on from really the first first year of my being there at PNG and on through my first, probably first decade there. They were very committed to giving me the kind of experiences that would help me grow in the direction I wanted to. Um, so, so those are certainly heroes in my life.
1: What was an early moment when you felt you were getting to do... Uh, what you were good at and and what you enjoy, and perhaps even earlier before you come into the workforce, or or if not, then in the workforce, I'm I'm interested in that moment where it begins to, if you are able to trace such a moment where it begins to to click for you that yes, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what I'm here uh, to to do and to contribute.
0: So I'm going to go back to youth uh, because you know that's the first place my mind goes. Um, because again, this is a this is a theme we're building here, Aviv, together. But I really do believe uh, in the power of origin moments, genesis moments. Uh, what's what's what happens in someone's youth, and um, a unique thing I took part in when I was a when I was a kid. Now it's probably I'm going to say eight to nine years old. Was at the time the Muscular Dystrophy Association was encouraging kids in their neighborhoods to um, host backyard carnivals. So so create your own games. Invite your neighborhood kids in, raise money through a, through a backyard carnival that, would, that you would then donate those funds on to the Muscular Dystrophy Association. So me and my best buddy, we, we did that for a couple of years. And um, it was, I think, again, for me, a very formative moment when I think about you know my, my commitment to kind of purpose now, and that it was a really rewarding thing to see, to organize people together, to bring people together, to see the, the joy of the kids in the neighborhood, around that experience and knowing that we were doing good in the process. You know, that was a really fulfilling thing for me that I I have to think kind of shaped who I am here in my fifties.
1: Beautiful. So when did you know you were going to um, become the the purpose doctor? And I ask this from the perspective that I am perhaps um, and was always on a bit on the other side of the, Uh, purpose street, and by which I mean that my dialogue with purpose was more in the context of a personal journey, Mm -hmm. not the brand purpose journey, the the personal purpose journey. And I became so enchanted by the idea of purpose, and and I persuaded, therefore, my high school principal to let me spend the last year of high school on my own in the library surrounded with philosophy, psychology, and, and other... Uh, thought leaders and, and books. And, and I actually wrote my high school dissertation. I don't know if I ever told you that. No. As an act of personal oath to remember, to not forget the, those two decisions, important decisions I made at age 17. The first decision was that life is purposeful, that I'm purposeful, that you are purposeful, that human beings, we all showed up here with a purpose. And the second decision that I made was that therefore my journey will lead me in whatever direction to realize and discover and develop that purpose. I probably didn't have exactly those words at the time. I think my theory of the case at age 17, 18 was a little bit Ayn Randish as Mm -hmm. in of Ayn Rand, (laughs) but the, the bigger impulse was the inquiry into life's purpose. And, over the last, now, what is it, 42 years, I've updated my purpose a dozen or more times because sure. it continued to evolve. And, and in the early two thousand, the work I was doing was actually leading people through purpose discovery, purpose quest, and choreographed variety of um, personal discoveries around the, the, the purpose of their life and their the core values. So that has been my journey uh, into purpose, and later in life and later in my professional career, I discovered that I could quadruple, quadruple the, the revenue that I'm generating <laughs> by not doing that as the focus of the work, but ultimately helping people solve strategy and innovation problems and use using purpose as, as props or tools or modalities uh, or strategies to help empower and unleash the creative potential of that journey. So for me, it traces all the way back to, to age 17, 18. What was the moment when you said, I am actually going to be the purpose doctor? <laughs> yeah.
0: I do remember it, Aviv. Uh, I, I remember it very vividly. Um, so for me, professionally, as I said, I think I've always had some, given my, given my background, my, my parents, my kind of quote unquote gift for sight, all those formative experiences. I, I, think, I think the energy was there within me. And the moment um, where my professional track changed was um, was a gathering at P G of P G marketers, where we had the CMO of Coke at the time um, address address the P G marketing organization, and he had a pretty dire kind of point of view about the state of marketing. Where he was kind of talking about, hey, you know, he made the point that when you look at the most reviled um, professions. It's kind of like, you know, people don't have a lot of respect for your used car salesman, not a lot of respect for lawyers, and not a lot of respect for marketers. And he talked about kind of the sorry state of marketing. And I I think it was kind of, there was a confluence moment where he had kind of made that point at the same time that I was kind of observing some real breakout brands and businesses, the Patagonias of the world that were really, you know, Whole Foods, sorry, Whole Foods was another one I recall at the time, method cleaning products. I was looking to do a little bit more for the world. And I remember thinking there's something happening over here with these kind of early, early adopters of a more purposeful orientation that could be the solution for, for marketing and business. And as he was presenting the kind of dire state of marketing. So it was that, it was that moment where I said, you know what, that's, that's where I want to focus. I see an, Mm. it's again, my gift of sight. I see an opportunity here for the function of marketing. I want, I want to be part of that.
1: What is your purpose today, as a professional, as a consultant, as a as a parent, as a human being? Do you have a, a one unified formulation, or do you keep those the personal and the professional uh, separate? How do you how do you tell that story back to yourself in your own mind?
0: Yeah, that's great. I I I. I I think I I do think a little bit about my professional purpose and my personal purpose, a little bit different, uh, differently. I, I kind of hold two different ideas in my head. Um, but they are certainly related. So on the, on, on the personal front, um, I have kind of discovered, you know, that analysis of, you know, what, what's, what's in my, what's my, in my youth origin, my youth truths, I'll call them. Um, as I look at that i I think I've always been inspired to kind of create meaningful experiences among the people I'm with so so with my family I'm always looking to kind of create and have meaningful experiences whether that's you know just going on a great hike together or family meals together it's I'm always kind of focused with friends with anybody kind of having kind of this this these meaningful moments so that's that's on the personal front which of course is connected to what I'm doing on the professional front as well where I'm kind of trying to help employees and and organizations find their higher-order meeting as well.
1: What is the the big idea in memorable moments, in creating and choreographing memorable moments, both on, on the personal side of life and in the professional? Is it, is it that this is all we have? We, we have this moment in time, and, and unless we create some memorable moments, then 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 life uh, is left bereft of the the richer grander potential that that's available for us or how would you how would you tell the story of the significance of memorable moments
0: you know uh, aviv uh, I didn't prepare help you prepare that introduction but in the, in the beginning of this podcast um I, I thank you. It's a real gift to me. I appreciate you kind of referring to me as a cheerful philosopher. That was your language for how you thought about me. And yeah. again, that's a, just another moment of that's another moment of kind of uh, self-discovery for me, and that you've offered me, which I appreciate. Because as you said that, um, and now as I'm, as I'm thinking about your current question, I think that that is really um, so much of it for me. That uh, that in that idea of cheerful, that I do think that somehow in the calling of of life. We are. I think the universe wants us to really embrace what we have here. I mean, life is, of course, you know, for all of us, such such a gift. It's 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 fleeting. When I think about nature, I almost feel like all of nature kind of just almost glows and basks in the in the wonder of life, maybe with a capital L. And so I think that's fundamentally maybe what philosophically drives me and anything in these experiences, professionally or personally. That I think you know. We, we all need to find those moments to really bask in the goodness of, of what we have here. Cause to your point, it's, it's fleeting.
1: I think we are prepared to define then joy as the realization of potential in, in this moment in time, when we get to realize it, it's potential. Um, we unleash, we, we release joy. That's what I hear in what you're describing.
0: I love it. And I buy, buy I buy into that. You know, I, I, uh, I've written kind of my own personal purpose statement you know, on the personal side, again, which, is, which, which for me is really all about seeking goodness and, and experiencing joy. Uh, so I, I think you're right. For me, that is certainly the, uh, the endpoint of potential.
1: With all that you know now, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self and or anyone who is today in the 20, 22, 23, 24, seeking to find the path professionally?
0: Well, you know, I'm, uh, I'm just repeating a theme, not introducing any new ideas in this podcast, but um, for me, from my experience, it's just been reinforced to me through my experience, professionally and personally, um, I believe so deeply in, in those truths in one's youth um, that I think, when I think back to my 20-something self, um, I probably discounted my childhood in a lot of ways and didn't do a lot of reflection. You know, I think it's probably just a natural course of life cycle that, you know, you're, you're thinking forward, you're not, you know, I was just a kid back then, just a kid, you know, and, and, and kind of dismissive. Um, but I think if I could have talked to myself again now and, and offering some thoughts to a current 20 something, it's to don't discount that. In fact, embrace it, really study it um, before it's too far, too far in the past, really understand what are you all about? You know, what, what was there when you were born? What motivated you? Um what excited you? What what do you love to do as a kid? Because I think when we get in touch with that and manifest that in our adulthood, it's uh again, there's lots of joy in that potential.
1: Beautiful. If you were to lose all that you know and keep only two ideas or two capabilities or two practices, what would you keep?
0: Wow, that's an interesting one, Aviv. You know, I, I, I I'm I'm sorry to be repeating uh common ground, but I you know I think for me i I'd, I'd, I'd keep my eye on the big picture yeah. um that's that's something you know again where i think about the, the the gift of sight and reflecting back on those days of climbing up the tall pine tree and looking out i uh, i really do appreciate myself for the constant drive to kind of keep the big picture in mind so that's that's one and um you know the other that i don't know that i'm always great at but um keeping that focus on on serving others and helping others kind of experience the 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 kind of joy that we've just talked about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. Preserving your capacity to see the big picture and uh recognize the 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 arc of time and meaning and serving others. Thank you, Matt. This uh, this was a rich uh, journey, rich exploration with you today as we bring this to landing. What parting wisdom do you want to offer to people <laughs> listening to uh, Create New Futures?
0: I think we just need to kind of go back where where, where it started. I, I know most people who uh, listen to your podcast are leaders of organizations, and uh, you know the the evidence is clear from history, from the current business case that you know really. Having a strong worldview, a want for the world, a vision for the world, and, and authentically living that um, is, is the way to business success. So I think, uh, I think we'll, we'll close on that thought.
1: Thank you. Wonderful.
0: Thank you, Aviv. Bleed,
1: Bleed a Creed is the book. Go get it anywhere on, on Amazon and anywhere else. Thank you, Matt. Thanks again. Here we are. We've landed this Create New Futures journey, and it's your time to take action. To create your new future. Here are a few steps you can take this week. First, Matt offered that purpose works where the leader truly feels and embodies the purpose, and when purpose comes out of a deep set of beliefs and convictions about how the world should be. What are some of your strong beliefs and the convictions that guide your work? How can you bring these convictions to life this week? Second, Matt pointed that great brands develop on the basis of shared values. What brands do you love and passionately believe in? Observe this week your association and your response to the brands you interact with. Which brands engage you through their experiences, services and the value they bring to your life? What attracts you and what repels you about these brands? Use your experiences and engagement to learn about brands and also to learn about you and your values. Third, Matt describes the power of identifying the origin moment, the experience that is the genesis of who you are and that reveals your formative instincts and passion. For Matt, it was, as a little boy, the thrill of climbing up the tree to see the world from above and gaze far into the distance. That experience revealed Matt's core impulse to see the big picture and to get the long view. What is your origin experience? The one that revealed what you instinctively felt compelled to do. Discover those early passions to find how they can empower you today into new horizons of possibility. One more thing, you can reach me directly by phone and on email to explore how we can help you and your team create your new future. See you next time.